Hello, hello, and welcome back to On Air, a podcast uh, hosted by Instrument, a branding and design and innovation agency based in Portland, Oregon, and now all over the United States. I'm excited to bring this uh, podcast to you all today because it's a special edition. It wasn't in the schedule. We didn't plan for it. Um, But with so much going on in our world and in our lives and in our communities and also at work, I thought it was really important to uh, to create a snapshot in time. And it's exciting for me to bring back two of our original guests on the very first podcast that we did last summer, um, Leon Anderson in the shot. Akhtar. And I'm excited to bring them because we had said that we were going to check back in a year. And in a year, you know, what would you have hoped would have been accomplished? What would you have hoped we would have achieved? How did you want to feel? And I think we basically have made it about six months and so much has still happened, right, guys? In those six months, I thought it was important to kind of check in and see how you're going and uh, see how how life has been. So I'm going to uh, kick off with our first question. I'm excited because we are all really great friends, both inside and out of work. It's been a fortunate blessing to get to know these amazing human beings um, and And, uh, you know, what happens when you get, you know, a Philly girl, a Georgia girl and a Florida boy from around the way, as he as he sort of told us a a little bit of everything, a little bit of Chocolate City, a little bit of L.A. Um, And we've all kind of lived in a few places. But what happens when you get in uh, to some real conversation? So. First question on the docket is, you know, just in general, like how. How how has it been? How have you been coping? It's been a lot, you know, uh, civil unrest in the country. And uh, we still have a pandemic, very much in the throes of a pandemic. Um, you know, what was that road like? Let's just sort of cap it and say through, trying to get through the end of 2020. And then we'll kind of cover where we are today in the first few weeks of 2021. Maybe I'll kick it over to uh, you, Nishat, first to just kind of say, how has it been going? <clears throat> wow. Just asking the easy questions here, Jessica. Uh, Thanks for listen. We got like 30, 35 <laughs> minutes. We are gonna get into it. I think that, you know, the 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 end of 2020 was interesting, as is sort of any end of a year where people are taking inventory and taking stock of how their year was and how you wanna start your next year. I personally am not someone who necessarily I don't really do resolutions in January. I try to just Think of the things I want to do when I when the moment is necessary and get after it. Um, but there is this natural inventory taking and sort of witnessing everyone doing that across social media, across your projects, in work, in life, your friendships. Um, I think that this the end of 2020 was actually quite heavy because there it was very clear that we weren't going to be stepping into some new year, new me kind of Mm -hmm. attitude, new year, new country, new, I mean, even though there's obviously change that's coming, which we'll talk about, I think that the end of the year wasn't, um, the weight off the shoulders. Um, I think uh, as we stepped into the holiday break, which we're so lucky to have, it was true exhaustion in so many different levels. Um, and, hard to really get the rest that you need to keep persisting in all of these things you're talking about, knowing that, you know, the, the, the just civil injustice that continues the pandemic that is unending. Um, I think that there's the moment to ask yourself or to realize, wow, I, I can endure more than perhaps I ever imagined. Um, and that was a big lesson, I think, in the last year, although that lesson has been something I've learned before in other life experiences, certain, certainly. Um, and I think at the first time, it was a collective experience of, of feeling that across like all my different friend groups, all my, the different cultures that, I, you know, are the people that I'm around and even people at work, which is like things keep happening and we have to endure and we have to endure together. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's 
a great kind of summation, even as I think about myself, for me, um, it was always just like, okay, you know, next hour, next day, next week, next month, like, how can we just sort of one foot in front of the other and try not to plan too far in advance um, because things are going to continue to change. And I think for me, um, yeah, it's been tough. It's been really tough to not felt like there was a little bit of optimism and hope of seeing a light at the end of the tunnel towards the end of the year. You know, vaccines were starting to get approved first overseas and then here. Um, you know, people, the numbers were decent, but not awful. In some cases, it felt like they were going to get better. And so, you know, you sort of had that light at the end of the tunnel, like, okay, maybe Q4 of 2021, I might actually see somebody and, and go have lunch. Still, everybody's still masked up, right? Like, but what can you do? Even saying, okay, maybe we could get some play dates for the summer uh, outside for the kids. But there's always sort of this dread, I feel like, in the back of my head that <clears throat> it's going to be a while. I mean, this is going to be a long while. And then you sort of come to where we are now and it's just feeling like, OK, you know, they started talking about new variants and things are getting faster and numbers are increasing. You look at what's happening in California and it is still very scary. Um, and then there's just trying to balance work and show up every day and do good work because, uh, my kids need to be fed and clothed and <laughs> we need a roof over our heads. Right. And so you can't check out, like you just, you can't check out. Um, and I think trying to balance all those things and then having, you know, every five minutes, somebody's in your face saying, are you taking care of yourself? Self-care. And I'm like, no, like just no self-care is a, you know, glass of wine or self-care is, um, you know, eating pizza and ordering out because I just need to take a break and not have to cook because I've been cooking so much for the last nine, 10 months. Um, so it's a lot to try to juggle and just keep your spirits up. Up and keep your hope up. Leon, how's yeah. it been going for you? Uh, you know what? Um, it's been good. Like, I will say, like, hands down, it's been good. Uh, the definition of good and great has uh, probably shifted contextually. <laughs> yeah. um, but I remember there was a point, like, maybe November, October or November, um, when I kind of like, I was like spitting piss and vinegar. Like I was <laughs> on one for a while and rightfully so. There's like, whether it's at work, whether it's outside on the street, at the store, here in my own home, like always being a target, like not just always feeling like I'm a target, but always being a target and understanding the past and that the future will not be changing anytime soon really got to me. Um, but then I kind of remembered back to uh, when I was growing up in my mom's house, there was like a, you know, one of those little like signs that has the script writing on it. Uh, and it was right by the patio door and it had the serenity prayer on it. Um, uh, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Um, and, you know, that's come to my life numerous times over and over, whether it's like through that little uh, poster or whether it's through Al-Anon, whatever the case might be. Um, and I had to just like sit in that, in that remembrance of like, yo, I can't change everything. I'm also not responsible for changing everything. I need to, but what I can do is make sure that I'm taking care of like what I do have control over. Um, and that's the present and the future that, you know, my two little boys are going to experience in their life. So I have them as this great little like circuit breaker in my life to just be like, you know, they still need to get outside. They still need to go run. They still need to get the energy out. They still need to learn how to read. They still need to do all of these like basic things that I can help them with. And I can put the food on their table. I can put clothes on their back. And so that helped me just like really refocus and prioritize and to be able to say, look, I got my health. I got a good job. 
and I have time to like still record with my improv group. I have time to like still have these virtual sessions uh, with people. I see people in my neighborhood at the park on these sunny days that we're still having in like January. Um, so like all in all, I'm doing good. Um, and it's just a matter of just like taking it one day at a time and one yeah. step at a time. Yeah. I love that. I love that even though it's still challenging, like you recalibrated and I feel like all of us have had to do a bit of that, right. Recalibrated, um, and sort of said, okay, I'm going to choose to see the positive and the silver lining, choose to see the good. Um, I think it's also important too, because if you think about sort of manifesting what you want in your life and manifesting, um, positivity and you have little humans that you're also responsible for. Um, and I think it's also important to manifest that within ourselves in our work environment, right? So we work in advertising and it, uh, last year was also hard, I think, because we were trying to make sure we made the numbers, trying to keep the clients happy, um, because we wanted to keep people fed and we wanted to keep people employed. Um, and so there, and we're all leaders, right? Across our respective disciplines and creative and production and strategy. And so, um, I think trying to bring that positivity and optimism, even sometimes when you didn't feel it, is really important because you're sort of projecting and trying to create a space for others. So talk a little bit to me about how it's been at work. Um, you know, uh, we still have had, you know, Black people dying in America, problems happening and going on, you know, the, the sort of impetus and what happened around George Floyd has continued. And yes, you know, but now there's not as many protests anymore. Right. And there might be a couple of commercials, but not a lot of commercials. Um, I think for me, if I sort of look at sort of the road to 20 ending 2020, I found it interesting that you got a lot less people kind of checking in on you. And it was like good and bad because sometimes the check-in was like, how's it going? And I'm fine. It, it's fine. Just, you know, another day. Um, and, uh, but also while we had commitments and we had diversity initiatives and you, I, I feel like every day there was like lots of things posting in LinkedIn and everybody and their mama's hiring a chief diversity officer or a diversity inclusion lead. I'm like, man, y'all go out here and get these jobs while they last, right? Go out there and get these jobs, get these board seats, which is exciting. Um, but there's then still the flip side. I feel like a little bit of the day to day of still seeing systemic racism at play, even where we are, and seeing uh, privilege show up. And you're like, huh, or even seeing, and, you know, we can have a good laugh about it, but like uh, wokeness to the point where people cross the lines and you're just like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> like that's not being an ally or advocate. You're just, you know, trying to carry a mantle and like you don't even understand what you're talking about if you crossed the lines. And I think those have been moments that sort of, you know, while you feel like you are making progress and we are making progress, it's still a very slow road. And I remember Nishad in our first conversation, you know, one of the things that you said was, you know, people are at different stages on this journey. You got some people that are in kindergarten and then people like us that are in like high school and college. And man, oh man, I feel like sometimes I'm like, yo, you need to go back to remedial class because what you think you thought you learned and how you should act and what it means to show up, you still got some work to do. So how's it been at work, navigating, showing up every day, even with everything going on? <laughs> <laughs> Leon, you want to go first? He's over oh, here smiling thanks, big thanks. and laughing. Um... <laughs> It, it, honestly, it's uh, it's pretty trying at work, uh, and it's not because I don't think that people are doing the work themselves. And uh, honestly, I I hope that they are, um, but on a day to day basis, I do not see anything that has changed. 
um, work-wise between like February or March or whenever it was that we recorded the first episode and now. Um, you know, like I will say that hiring efforts um, are clear and it's clear that there is um, – uh, there are specific folks that we're looking to hire and bring into the studio and agency. Um, I do wish that that was not just at sort of that middle uh, level, but was also in leadership. Um, because I think that being able to, if you come in at, at a mid-level or even a senior level, and you, again, you don't see that ahead of you. You don't see those opportunities ahead of you. You don't have a voice at the table or in the room uh, for folks who look like you. Uh, it, it becomes hard to like see yourself staying there long term um, and to see how you are respected in that area. And so that's an area where I haven't seen the growth and change I hope to see it. I retain hope for the future. Um, again, one of those things where, hey, I can go out, I can try to meet people, but I can't make the change because I'm not necessarily hiring at that level, me personally. Um, you know, and I think that we have buried ourselves in work, which is great. It, it makes sure that everyone has food to put on their table. Uh, you know, I was extremely thankful for like, the bonus that we were able to have at the end of the year. Um, and I know that it came because of all the hard work of folks. But, yo, end of the year, we were jamming, like crushing, like not even coming up to take a breath. And it felt like after that two weeks off, we just jumped right back in. Um, and that's one of the hard things about combining personal growth and professional growth. Um, we work at an agency. Our goal is to make dope products and to make money. Uh, that's the thing that keeps the virtual doors open. Um, but it's really hard sometimes to balance that and having the time to actually do reflection, actually do, um, very considered recruiting. So like not just hiring to fill a role, but actually going out and creating the future that you want by bringing those people in and courting those people. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of the work has, uh, I guess I can say this now again, because, uh, he's not in office, but a lot of the work has trumped, uh, <laughs> the actual personal growth. So. Oh man, are we gonna bring? We're gonna use that as a. I got the word the, back. We get the re reclaiming our word. <laughs> reclaiming our word. How about you, Nishat? Um, I want to piggyback off of a couple of things that Leon said because I think they're so important in, in the work. It is so challenging where you, where you may not see advocacy at the highest level. That is so absolutely so critical for people of color, queer people, um, and that is still a major priority for this organization to get after. And the, frankly, every organization is so hungry for that right now. There's a black, brown, and queer bonus, you know, that's out there for every person of color. Yes, I'm like, it's like you get a brown person, you get a brown person. Yeah, yes, control us. Listen, and, and I, I said it's a hot. We're a hot commodity right now. Yeah. Look, I mean, look at the gold on this call on this podcast. <laughs> Right. Look at this. Look at this. Go this gold. Uh, I, yeah. I think that there's identifying the gap, which is what sort of everyone kind of came to their knees on last year, perhaps for the first time. If, if if it was for the first time. All right. We're all here now. And there's identifying the gap. And just putting hiring people isn't the only solution. I mean, that is a very important part of that. Um, and definitely seating those people in leadership so that other people um, have advocacy and also that those leaders may see things that other people aren't seeing and then are canonized to say things um, for, for be the voice of the voiceless. That's so important. Um, and beyond the recruiting, it's also essential that we consider the process in which we work. Like you're talking about, Leon, we're 
pedal to the metal and we're satisfying our clients and we're making money for the business and all of that is great, of course. Um, but how are certain individuals, are certain individuals being treated differently through that process? Um, even now where there's this hunger of diversifying teams and clients want to see that and we want to see how this conversation happens in the work too. Um, are people of color being asked to be a monolith for our culture and represent for that? Um, how do we continue to think about how we're approaching work in a balanced way um, and making sure that a single individual isn't doing their job and sort of the custodial cleanup of what others haven't spent time thinking about how the yeah. process is going. Yeah. Agree. Oh man. So much, so much there. I think for me, it's been interesting to see the progress that has been made in certain ways. And I know this is not just us. You can probably sort of extrapolate this across any number of organizations uh, across the United States. But, you know, seeing the efforts that we put forth, for example, in like community service and really trying to, to, to um, you know, at this point, it's, it's less about sort of man hours or woman hours or volunteer, you know, people, human hours and more around, you know, how do we funnel dollars um, to underprivileged communities and things like that, which I find I'm, I'm excited about. And I feel like we've made significant progress on that. Um, you know, we now have a DEI consultant that we're just getting started, um, but I can already see the first of this, you know, amazing woman in her firm to come in and really kind of, you know, put things on front street and put people on blast a little bit and really kind of check people. Um, and that's going to be tremendous for the executive sort of extended executive leadership team. Um, you know, now we have affinity groups, which is awesome. I'm the executive sponsor for that. It feels good. But, you know, I just think, it, you know, that it's still a long, we still have a long way to go as any other organization has. And for me, it still comes back down to, you know, whether you're a large organization and it's different business units or divisions or for us uh, and our teams, like that's the culture. The way, you know, Leon, you talked about like work every day. It's just, it feels very much the same. Why? Because we still have work to break down in those smaller modules, right? Like how do people show up to work every day? How are people processing bias? How are people acting or reacting in ways that showcases their privilege or problems with power or conflict re resolution or not being able to deliver crit critical feedback in a way that's going to be supportive and helpful and also not be biased, right? And so our people still, and every team is a little bit of a different culture, which is also a problem because you're like, okay, well, what is the culture of who we are as an entire organization? Um, I've had enough conversations with our leadership to feel like some of things have been kind of twisted in, in sort of, or added on to, and it comes across as, oh, we have these cool t-shirts or we do something really corny or kooky in our stand-ups. And I'm like, nah, bruh, it's much deeper than, than that. And you don't realize it is the type of people that you like to hire to come into your team that fit into this sort of, um, fit into the mold. And even though they might look like you and me, if they come in with the same mentality, we, Houston, we have a problem, right? Um, and so that's where the work still needs to be done. Um, for me as well, it's just like, how are people experiencing this organization every day? It's in the teams, it's in the works, it's even in the clients. And in some cases, checking the clients because they're creating, um, you know, challenging environments for our people. Um, so yeah, I don't, I'm excited to your, to, I think similar to you, Obviously, Leon, as I said before, I'm optimistic. I am hopeful. Um, but I have been doing this for a minute in other organizations and now here. And it is going to take a while. It takes a long time to change a cruise ship, right? To change that direction. And, you know, we are a freaking cruise ship. And we're a smaller organization. And I've seen it in larger organizations. You just, you just, man, you're just like, what, what little small thing can I change? And, you know, I think I post earlier in the week around like how can you 
how can I focus on just my people, my community, what I can affect and the power and privilege that I do have as a black woman in this organization. And I think I'm hopeful that others will sort of sit in that power as well um, and be able to help really sort of affect change for, um, for others. So let's pivot just slightly. Um, turn the cruise same, ship. Pivot. T- turn the cruise okay. ship. Pivot. <laughs> I see what you did there. That's nice. Right. That nice. So let's, uh, you know, is it a, cru- is it a, is it a pivot? Is it a turn in direction? I is don't it know. A you know? <laughs> <laughs> is it a cruise ship? Uh, Where's you know, my Mai Tai? That's so what I want to know. We, uh, <laughs> you know, we got to December 31st, 2020. Turned up, everybody, you know, champagne or uh, apple cider or whatever your libation of choice was. January 1st, 2021, same shit, different year, right? <laughs> literally, literally. <laughs> literally. Uh, you know, we woke up and I, and, I'm, and I found it fascinating that people really, truly thought that like there was going to be this all of these things were going to be different. It was going to feel different. And to your point, Leon, especially at work, it was just like, all right, hey, all right, let's go. Let's talk about these SOWs. Let's get in here and do these things. And, you know, while for me and I did, I really was intentional about disconnecting for uh, the latter part of the year. I also recognize that a lot of people weren't able to do that. I attended a virtual funeral over the holiday break. Like people are still dying out here. There's still challenges going on. There's still, you know, millions of people unemployed. Um, and so I think that kind of gets back to the the challenge of how do you sort of balance trying to keep that sort of positivity and then still, you know, same, same, you know, same stuff, different year and still show up at work and still be effective, still be helpful and supportive for your people. Um, and then, oh, by the way, there is a riot on the Capitol. Um, and, you know, you're like on a Zoom call talking about a project and watching social media video footage of um, people wilding out in D.C. Yeah. That was yeah. hard. Like, I just, you know, it was extremely hard to watch it. And part of it was, you know, what was the the sort of phrase that kept reverberating or running around in the back of my head is that, you know, you reap what you sow. Mm. You reap what you sow. Mm. Um, I don't know. What, how, what was your reaction, you know, both work home, watching that, uh, or maybe Leon, Leon, you look like. You- <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, actually, I didn't know. So I was so focused on, the work and just like it, trying to get back in to the swing of things because this was what when last Wednesday um, or Wednesday the sixth uh, and then like my birthday's on the seventh and so yeah. I was just like how can I get as much done today as possible so I can maybe have a little bit mellower of a day tomorrow um, and I didn't even know anything was going on until. Wow. Um, someone else on our team leadership channel was like, Hey, I think we need to take a pause and like, give folks some space to handle this. And so I went over to like CNN and then to the root and like, just trying to piece together what was happening. And, yeah. um, I wasn't surprised it was happening. I was, uh, surprised it had gotten that far. Um, yeah. and yeah, it's a it's a buildup of everything that's been going on that has been either swept under the rug or has been addressed with a slap on the wrist or a hey, now's the time when we need to come together and look beyond the things that separate us, yada yada yada, all of the uh, pacifist rhetoric, which um, you know I will say at the risk of revealing my kind of political and social stances, uh, (laughs) that rhetoric and that language is only ever one way. Yeah. You never have the folks who were storming the Capitol. They've never sat back and said, you know what? 
let me look at what the other side is saying and accept their differences so that we can move beyond this. Maybe so something's again, wrong with my anti-Semitic shirt. Maybe I shouldn't wear it. Aside from the fact that it's two sizes too small and you probably shouldn't be wearing your kid's baseball uniform. <laughs> And also your work badge, yo, my dude. Oh, uh, don't, don't, let's not forget the, you know, the, um, the horns and hats and furs. Like, I, what? But it's like, it'll, it, it, it's clear that there have been, like, embers that have been burning that hasn't been addressed. Like, we're taking care of the fires and we're putting all hands on deck with the fires, but we're not focusing on those embers that still burn that'll make something bigger now that it's all dried out. And so it was just like, hey, all right, now I've got people to take care of on my team. I got people to take care of at home. Uh, let me do what I can to give them that space and to let them know that they're heard. And I'll I'll take care of me. I'll take care of me later. Um, you got a little nice something for your birthday or what? I got a cake. I got a cake from Audrey. Okay. Yeah. She, okay, good. Yeah, she hooked me up. Uh, and also I got a iPhone, an iPhone 12. I'm not an early adopter by oh. any means, but my seven's on its last legs. And, uh, so <laughs> she got me a 12. I need to go pick it up because apparently you can't activate a phone for someone else. So, you know, maybe I'll find some time to go do that. And there's like the shock of the day and then there's the day after. And I think it's mm. like, I'm just thinking about. You no, know, like for you in particular, that that being your birthday and that day, yeah. while Wednesday was quite a wash, it's almost like Thursday was also. And for me, coming into the new year, um, and I, both of you know this, like my dad was very sick and was yep. in the hospital. Yeah. And it's one of those scenarios due to the pandemic. I would have been in Philadelphia, no question. I would have flown yeah. across the country, but you can't. So when we when I talk about endurance, it's like wow, I have a family member that is sick. I can't yep. go be there. And every day, my brother and I are like just working to get the updates. And I also went to work the first day of January 4th and yeah. told everybody, hey, I have this thing going on. I'm not really sure if I'm going to be make it through the week or not, but we'll see. Yeah. And also, what else was I going to do? I think I shifted into this total logistical triage mindset of like, well, let me work. And then I'll hop off when I need to talk to my dad or talk to the doctors. And then Wednesday hits and we were in a client meeting at noon when all this stuff was happening and, uh, you know, I, it was about five minutes into whatever's happening in the Capitol and 10 minutes into the client meeting. And I felt like I was just completely glazing over. I was speaking and I had no idea what the words I was saying while yeah. also messaging folks on the side to be like, typically we ask people to ask for what they need, but I flashed back to last summer when the fires were happening and we were just working and our house, my house was smoky on the inside yeah, yeah. and we were just working. And that day I was remembering September 11th in New York and I Ooh. witnessed it and yeah. I went to work and I was yeah. like, am I ever going to learn? And so on Wednesday I wrote to everyone, I was like, nope, this is not, we have to take a moment and call yeah. that moment for everyone. Yeah. Um, and we were able to do that. Although I think some of our leads went to a couple other meetings, including myself. And again, I spoke in those meetings. I have no idea what, what I said. And it's, you're just trying to push through and the responsibility that lands on leadership and even, or in both of y'all's cases, parents where you just have to have that level of endurance, but there is a moment where it's like, this is not, is yeah. this productive? Is this helping? Yeah. And then you sort of think about the rest of the week where it's a, we're listening to people say, how could this happen? And you're like, what do you mean? Have you been paying attention or not? Yeah. And then also trying to pick up and somehow make up for the half day that everyone was like, well, we're take, take, a, take a minute to fall out or to do what you can to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And yet the work doesn't go away. It's still yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. I can say that like, for me, I was encouraged, right? So we talk about positivity and all of that. I was encouraged that pretty quickly and I'm on the back end. So I'm seeing other messages. I'm seeing C-suite leadership, uh, exec team messages that were like, we need to give people time. Let's start canceling meetings where you critically can. Um, you know, uh, we worked with recruiting and recruiting was like, Hey, we should 
cancel all uh, interviews for the rest of the day. So if we're going to be interviewing candidates, uh, a number of those people are BIPOC and queer. Let's go ahead and give them the space. And even if they said, you need the rest of the week, right? We'll give you the rest of the week and reschedule. So for me, that um, that was really encouraging that we as a company took care of our people and were able to do that. Now, again, as we think about being a leader in leadership, you know, and also teams and also cultures that didn't permeate, I think, as well. For example, like on your team, we should have shut shit down. Not doing it. Sorry. The world is on fire. Your project's not on fire. We can regroup tomorrow. Um, and so I think there's those, again, are the pockets and things when you talk about culture, when you talk about principle principles, when you talk about what sort of the, the foundation. Um, I think that that also continues, I think, for me to feel very hard to sit at the intersection of being a woman, being um, a black woman, uh, being a woman who, you know, this is not my home space. Portland's not my home space. So, you know, sort of being a little bit out of my element with not family around, um, but also being um, in a position of power and privilege as an executive at an or organization. And you're balancing all these things at once. And I am trying to take care of self and do what I need for me, but I also have to consider what my people need and what others need in the organization. And I, that makes it very hard. And um, there's also just like what's happening around you, even if it's not close to you. I mean, for me, like the, the, it's not it's not crazy because crazy is not the word, but just the most profound thing for me was, you know, we already knew, you know, 72 million people voted for Trump. We know a chunk of those people voted just because of with their wallets and their pocketbooks because they care about taxes and their 401ks. Um, but there's still a considerable amount of people that voted for him in that way. Um you know, for what was beneficial for them, you know, and be damned everyone else, right? They might not have agreed with anything that he's done, but because it was beneficial for them, they voted for him. And so a lot of those people are the people that showed up at the Capitol. And I'm just like, I think the, the profound thing for me is those people could be anywhere, Right. And we're seeing it every and day. They are. They're and they, they are. are. Yeah. They they're are everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> they're your neighbors. Mm -hmm. They're your friends who you who were on the low, like supporters and all of this that are showing up. They're CEOs of companies who have BIPOC people that work there. They are they are people in 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 positions of power. And so it was it continued to be a reminder that as far as we have come, this is when we talk about systemic racism. These are the people that are continuing to pull the strings and hold up the infrastructure. And you might knock down a building, but they're still they're over here building something else. Like those are the people in the web um, that continue to, to to proliferate all of these these things and creating these hostile work environments for people of color, for queer people, for uh, for religious minorities, right? For people with disabilities. And so to watch people, I, I, yeah, I love reading comments on things. And I was watching the threads of people like, oh my God, that's my ex-boyfriend, or that was mm. my friend in college, <laughs> or I was so stunned that, you know, or I tried to turn them around, but then I saw them get radicalized and I can't believe it. Like, what can't you, how much evidence do you need? What else do you need? Do you need people to walk around with a tattoo that says I am a racist on their forehead for you maybe to believe them? Because all the evidence is there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's for me, that's like the frustrating part, like people who were so, so woke, you know, marching and protesting in George Floyd and sending money and doing all these things. But we're so utterly shocked by what happened. Yeah, they're the missing Capitol. it. Missing the narrative here. Like, I, it's not the moment. It's not like a moment in time. This is history. Like Leon put it best, the embers that are have still been smoldering. If you if that's not extinguished, that fire can go up at any moment once everything is dried out. And yeah. it is dry, I, ashy, yeah. dusty. <laughs> 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 you're not one of those people who was up there, they were just like walking to work and like, you know what? Let me see what's going on over here. 
there is a, there are signs, there are indicators, and the problem is is that we for white people get the uh, benefit of contrition, so a white dude can punch a hole in a wall, and people are like, oh. He was just angry. He mm. was upset. He was expressing his emotions. Having a bad day. Having a bad day. And nobody One time like, in a moment. Yeah, exactly. Nobody like takes note of that and then says, you know what? Maybe he shouldn't date my friend because maybe he has some physical things that he needs to work out. And gets the forgiveness and then goes on and then Shia LaBeouf and blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> Not Shia. <laughs> Not Shia. Yes. Shia. So, um, uh. but like a black kid like raises his voice or speaks loudly in a classroom and all of a sudden he is like a disturbance to the entire classroom. He's a threat to the school. We need to put him on suspension on probation. It's like... You know, the way that you treat people and the way that you coddle people and allow them to get away with shit, as you said, Jessica, it it comes back. It comes back. These things are there. Uh, There's the quote by Malcolm of the chickens come home to roost. And um, it's the thing. Whatever you sow is eventually going to grow. Oh, that was nice. Are you going to put that on a (laughs) T-shirt? I also think that there's this separation. There's a privilege of the separation of like, oh, well, these people were at the Capitol. And this thing that happened at the Capitol is this massive event, of course, that we all witnessed and truly were all disgusted by, regardless of whether you were prepared that something like this might happen or not. Um, But how to connect the sort of overt racism to the, the impact of the smaller moments in the everyday and how, you know, someone can chip away at any one of us with a microaggression day to day. And we all experience it. Many of us experience it. And those things maybe contribute to our endurance, but it also gives us more to endure. And there's this like, you know, we talk about white supremacy and many people, and I think many white people feel very separate from that because it's such a massive, you know, title. And when we say uh, a moment is an act of racism versus someone being called a racist, and is the, I don't know if that's like a more digestible moment for someone, but there's like the big and the small and the small have really great impacts in our day to day, um, at work, in life, um, And to find that connection, to not only relegate racism to this massive, you know, these these huge moments to because there are things that happen quietly, subtly. And as you said, Jessica, the people that are pulling the strings and and controlling businesses and making decisions that are inherently biased, inherently racist and affect our entire function and flow. And by our, I just, I mean that in the royal, royal sense, just like in business, in advertising, again, there's this hunger for change, but people have to look very closely at the gaps that exist within themselves, within an organization, within a process. It's not only about seeding people, which is very important. And please, brown and black people come through, you know, <laughs> like we're here for yeah. it. Um, yeah. But it's not only about that. It's also about how, how are we not not just attracting, but retaining and growing people Mm -hmm. and creating a space where we actually feel safe to call something out when we see it and also adjust a process that is not uh, fair, equitable. Yeah. Not racist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, uh, cosign all around, you know, the thing is like, yes, all those people descended on the Capitol, but like 80% of those people were not from DC. Mm, They came from your hometown and your hometown and your hometown and where you live today. Right. So those people are coming back. Mm -hmm. They're coming back and they're, and a lot of them are more, um, 
you know, angry and the embers continue to, to smolder. Um, a lot of them are just going to go underground for right now till they feel like there's a fertile environment for them to, um, you know, potentially sort of flare up. And I, I think a part of it is, is, is exactly what you said is, is, you know, when I think about my white colleagues, my white friends, um, and even some people, um, you know, when we talk about colorism, right, and people who are BIPOC but, you know, have the privilege of the lighter skin and sort of operating differently in this world, it's, you know, creating an environment to say, hey, I need you to call me out when I'm not doing something because uh, you don't know what you don't know. And there are just things that there are perceptions that are so deeply rooted in our society, um, I'm a part of a, an organization um, uh, focused on Black mothers and children, and we focus on education and, and you know, social environments and really creating safe spaces for our children of color. And one of the moms, we'd had a very sort of raw moment uh, before the holiday break where one of the moms said, you know, she has a, a white, she's, from, you know, been living here for a while as a white friend has children and the kids were playing together however and I think her son's in you know middle school or however and her friend just was like wow you know ex-child he's so big right like wow he you know he's like a grown man he's just he's just really big she remarked on it a few times and the mom who I know the black mom was like I'm gonna stop you right there that's racism at work. The fact that you are called my, your child is the same age as mine, but the fact that you see your child still as a boy and you're talking about my son being mm. and looking like a grown man is why black men are dying in America. Mm -hmm. She didn't say that, but I mean, it's like you can connect the dots One because the you were bred to, yes. to think about our children as being more mature as they are, as being scary to you, as being monsters. And um, like that's th those are the real moments of people that you know in your everyday life that you might be like, they might be your ride or die, but they still are biased. They still benefit from systemic racism. They still have these perceptions and ideas and things in their heads um, that have been implanted since birth. So... Um, so we're coming up on today and the road to today. Um, how are y'all feeling? I mean, Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, um, truly, truly, um, for all of us, I think a monumental moment. And whether you love Joe Biden or didn't, whether you love Kamala or didn't, um, they are representing hopefully a paradigm shift for us. So how has that felt, especially kind of coming out of all the things that we just talked about with the riots mm -hmm. and obviously arrests and things happening um, and kind of where we are today? Who wants to jump in first? I mean, it's nice to have an Eagles fan as a president. I got to say that, that, <laughs> feels, that feels good for me. <laughs> Delaware is almost Philly and Scranton is north of Philly, but we'll take it. I, that. That's nice, you know, and so to have like an Eagles fan and also like, you know, some Indian representation in there is just there's there's something just personal about that for me, which I felt it today. I, yeah. I woke up this morning and was like, I, I was really surprised. I was like punching my fist in the air. I was psyched. I was like, Trump's out. Uh, that felt talk about like the weight lifting and not to say that look, racism isn't over. It's not ending, you know. Um, but I, I certainly felt a big weight lifted because the, the, the chaos agent at the helm at least is gone. And that is, that felt great. Um, and I was like, what am I going to, what's like the theme song I'm going to listen to when I watch Joe and Jill coming out and I put on Missy Elliott lose control. And I was just like, this is the vibe. I'm just going to set the vibe. I listened to Smashing Pumpkins today when Kamala came out. And then I was listening to Missy lose control when J Joe and Jill came out. Um, and to see uh, Amanda, this young 22 year old poet, just move me to I mean I felt her radiance in, in her words and also just in my heart it was incredible this was a really um heartfelt morning yeah it's pretty powerful absolutely just, to see ah oh, just I like 
had the adrenaline. I'm not even there, but just watching it on TV, um, listening to the words, feeling inspired. And I'm a cheesy person. So, you know, it doesn't take much for me to, you know, puppies and babies to get a little missy eyed. <laughs> but, oh, man, it was just so impactful. And the visage of just what's to come. Um, and also, you know, there's the back of my mind marking the occasion with like, it's not, you know, thousands of people, it's people socially distanced and everybody's wearing masks. So there's also that moment of just, wow. Also reminder, right? Like this is a pivotal moment for so many reasons, including having somebody like Kamala Harris, mm -hmm. um, representing so many identities at one time, um, yes. yeah, it's just powerful. It just really is powerful. And I know, you know, I have a four-year-old daughter, Erilyn, and she won't remember today, but I will. And I have pictures and things, but to be able to see that in my lifetime, but also to have that at the start of her lifetime, she's only four. I just, That's again, awesome. when we talk about seeing it, you know, our company, any small company is just a smaller scale, but being able to see that that is possible is going to change the course of history for so many women. I mean, my mom was writing to me this morning. My mom, who is an Indian immigrant, you know, she, she was writing to me saying, you know, her mom's name was Leela Devi and Kamala is, you know, Kamala Devi uh, with multiple other names that I'm not sure. But she was so excited <laughs> to hear that connection. And then she told me that she had an auntie named Kamala. And I was like, this is the time you choose to tell me this? You had a runway. <laughs> but to feel that cultural connection and to hear it from my mom, you're talking about a younger generation, which of course is, you know, this aspiration to be able to look up to and understand or to even have the bar set that one can't even remember because that's yeah. the only history that she will know, which is so exciting for Erilyn. Um, and then for my mom on the other side to be, you know, bearing witness to this as she is now an American citizen and to be bearing witness to this is a completely whole other experience. And yeah. I think it's a part of all of ours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. There was um, uh, afterwards, after the inauguration today, because I actually asked myself, I was like, why are you not like super excited about this? And I was like, because I don't like, I just don't have time <laughs> to be super excited about this. Tomorrow will be the same as yesterday was. Let's move forward. Let's see what happens here. Uh, also, I I don't forget uh, some of Kamala's and Joe's uh, prior. Mm -hmm. No, you can't. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Can't. Totally actions it's all there. that have spoken there. very loudly. Uh, yeah. But I did find myself afterwards with the um, that like post wedding song that like like I found myself. You just wanted an excuse to make music on the <laughs> Because it was like one the the scene of like after uh, Biden gave his speech and everything was over and everyone was up there like chatting and hugging and it like reminded me of after a wedding, but also the moment of inauguration brought forth that same emotion like when you see mm. Uh, mm. when you go to a wedding and you see a wedding no matter what's happened in your marital history or your relationship history or what your parents were like there's that moment where you're just like god this is a moment of pure it's just like a nugget of purity and what the ideal should be mm. um and it felt like there was that nugget for a moment where i was just I like ah okay this is how the world looks when everyone comes together for one brief moment. And, yeah. and optimism oh, too. Yeah. And I think like one more thing is that in Joe's speech, and I agree, like the, the politicians, no, nobody's hands are clean, you know, nobody's hands are clean. Obama's hands were clean. I mean, I have an auntie from Pakistan and I was speaking with her this weekend and she asked me, how do I feel about Kamala? We started talking about, we also then talked about Obama and we talked about how important visibility is, but Nobody's hands are clean at all. I mean, I think she really grappled with, you know, drone wars in her home country is just, yeah. I mean, it's painful. Yeah. But one of the things that I think is in Joe's speech is the words that he used and words are powerful. And of course, actions are very, have to be attached to that. But he talked about 
the history, the, the disgusting history of racism in this country. He talked about white supremacy. He taught, he addressed those mm-hmm. things and it sets a foundation for the work that is to come. And, yeah. you know, as to bring it all back and Leon said it and Jessica said it, we are hopeful. We are watching. Yeah. We're doing the work every day, you know, in our seat. And I hope that they're going to do that work too. I think it was really impactful to hear the, his, his speech and him directly address these things and whether it's, meme culture or social media that makes it obvious that those are the things you have to say, whatever it takes. It's like, this is the direction of the work that has to be done, should have been done, but here we are today. Yeah. 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 No, I'm, I agree. I think the word, I I also agree. Words are power. Um, And for me, what was so impactful and powerful was that he said those things and used those words in his inauguration speech. Mm -hmm. Right. This wasn't a separate speech on racism in America. This wasn't a separate speech on, you know, economic policy and then how systemic racism has affected black and brown and and underprivileged community. Like it is his inauguration speech. It's not even the state of the union because you're usually trying to hit all the targets and things. It was his inauguration speech. Um, And I agree for me, it is the foundation of why I continue to, you know, wouldn't want to live anywhere else in America. I mean, in the world, even though it's a challenge and there, it's not easy, right? That's why people in droves, thousands of people every year want to come and live here. Um, uh, because there is opportunity, there is love, there is community. Um, you know, I just think about, look at us. We, we did not know each other (laughs) before two years ago, and now Mm -hmm. we have built community and you can do that right here in America. And that, that, that's so important and powerful for me. And so I'm hopeful. I continue to be hopeful. I think there's going to be a lot of things of just protecting, like we're trying to protect our people at work. They're going to be focused on, you know, immigration and, uh, you know, uh, kids in cages, like all of these things that have been awful. Um, and I'm happy because there's a spotlight, you know, if Trump did nothing else, he put a a brighter spotlight on some of the worst parts of what is across this country and what's Mm -hmm. in America. And so it is good. We're now we're going to drive out the shadows. Oh, you get what? This is something here. We're going to take care of that. And that for me, I felt like there was a lot, even as we think about Obama and, and previous administrations, there's a lot of stuff done in the dark that was done behind the scenes that was done in the shadows. And there's been so much that has come to light. I think, um, I'm optimistic that uh, we'll be able to root out a lot of craziness. Mm-hmm. Any parting comments as we wrap up? This was great. And I appreciate you all s- stepping up, stepping in, bearing a little bit of your souls today. Um, any final parting comments you want to make? We're still watching. Still watching. Absolutely. Watching everybody. Watching everybody. Watching everybody. Big, everybody. And, big and small. I see you. Yeah. Big and small. Yep. Yeah. Like, you know, I think we've talked about, like, hey, the inauguration speech and uh, putting some of that language in this inauguration speech is laying a foundation and is laying a precedent and an expectation, like, all the way down. Like, absolutely. when it comes to our work, when it comes to the promises that we made and our objectives, I'm watching you. When it comes to like, I want my, I want Bennett to look up at me and say that same thing when he's like, you said that you want to be the father that your father wasn't. I'm watching. Yeah. Like Mm. that's like, we got to hold each other accountable. And, Mm. um, it's, that's not always going to be like ushering out praise and, Oh, amazing. You've done this little thing. It's going to be calling out the hard truths. Um, and letting folks know I'm watching you, I'm supporting you and I got your back yeah. if you need anything. Mm-hmm. I'm watching. You. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, progress is every day and it's for everyone and all, all of us and everybody. And yeah, I, I love that, Leon. Yes. Accountability. I mean, it all comes back to that, right? Like being accountable. Um, and words are great. Action is better. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we're watching, we're watching our government. We're watching president Joe Biden and Madam vice president Kamala Harris. Yes. 
And uh, we're watching our leaders, our leaders in the community, our leaders in local and state, and our leaders here where we show up to work every day. So thank you both for the time, the love, the space. This was yeah. fantastic. Oh, and um, I'm excited to uh, get with y'all again because this is only a midpoint <laughs> check-in. <laughs> Who knows what the world will bring to us uh, when we get back together sometime in uh, June. So thank you both for joining me for this special episode of On Air by Instrument. I am the host, Jessica Hartley. And we thank you. Sending you all love and light. Check out.